0: Well, good morning, sunrise. Guys, see, i guess seeing, it's, it's a little bit sleepy this morning. <laughs> well, I did hear actually that the coffee wasn't quite done yet, so maybe that's maybe that's why you guys don't have your coffee in yet. But it will be done for break time. So if you were looking for it and it wasn't there, it will be there during um, the greeting time this morning. So anyway, it is good to be here to worship with you and sing with you and to hear God's word today. Why don't you guys go ahead and stand? We're going to start this morning a song called take you at your word we're gonna um we read in gods in his scripture that his word is a lamp into our feet light into our path that guides us it's our, our firm foundation we can stand upon um so we're gonna proclaim that this morning um his promises so let's sing about um, the promises that we can stand on the scripture let's sing
1: is a lamp unto my feet. Your way is the only way for me. It's a narrow road that leads to life, but I want to be on it. It's a narrow road, but the mercy's wide, because you're good on your promise. Here we go. Take you at your word. If you said it, I'll believe it. I've seen how good it works. If you start it, you'll. The chaos fell in line, I know, cause I've seen it in life. It's a narrow road that leads to life, but I wanna be on it. Oh, it's a narrow road, but the tide is high, but you parted the water. If you said it, I believe it. I've seen how good it works. If you started, I'll complete it. I'd take you and your work. If you said it, I believe it. I've seen how good it works. If you started, you'll complete it. your love would never give up you said your grace is always enough you said your heart would never forget or forsake me you said I'm safe you call me yours you said my future is full of your hope you never fail so I'm again you you said your love you said your love will never give up you said your grace is always enough you said your heart will never forget or forsake me and you said i'm saved you call me yours you said my future is full of your hope you never fail so I know that you'll never fail me, I'll take you at your word, if you said it, I'll believe it, I've seen how good it works, if you said it, you completed it, I'll take you at your word, if you said it. He is risen from the grave What He's done What He's done All the glory and the honor to the Son My sins are forgiven My future is heaven I praise God
0: ourselves right this morning on this journey for part of that 99 just chilling with you or maybe the one that's stranded wandering away I thank you that you come search for us always looking for us wanting to pull us back into your arms of love I just pour out that love this morning. Help us to receive it. Sometimes it's hard to receive that love. But open our hearts today, God. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Why don't you guys go ahead and take a seat?
2: Good morning! Oh, they know I sometimes talk quietly, so they turned it up really high. (laughs) Good morning! There, now I I don't think I hurt your ears quite so much. Um, My name is Carissa, and I am just excited that we get to spend this morning together, and I'm happy to welcome you here to Sunrise and join us um, on this wintery, springy, back and forth, yo-yo kind of morning. Um, I know I was, I'm a teacher and I was telling my students yesterday like, or on Friday, we're doing our last little bit of some wintry things and then maybe winter will be done and we'll move on to spring. So I don't know, I don't think I'm the only one who's hoping for sunshine. Okay. It's been really nice. Um, Well, I uh, just want to welcome everyone not only for being here, but especially if this is your first time visiting this morning. We're just glad that you came to uh, check us out and spend the morning with us. Um, We want to help you feel comfortable and at ease and also help you to get to know us a little bit better. So, a little bit later here in just a minute we're going to spend some time greeting each other getting the coffee all the good things and we would just encourage you to stop by the connect table then or at the end of the service and we've got a little gift for you to thank you for spending your morning with us um, and also you can fill out a connect card and we'll send you something in the mail as well if you are visiting online for the first time then There's probably already a link in the comments that has that information and will take you to our website with more announcements, which I just want to highlight a few right now. Um, First up, Dan mentioned this last week, but Remember Niger is an organization that Sunrise has partnered with for quite a long time. Um, And we have a number of people in the church that sponsor children in Niger, one of the poorest countries that there is. Is, and just helping these kids get connected, be able to come to school, have meals, um, and be served with the love of Jesus. And Remember Niger has a campaign that they're really excited about going on for the season of Lent where they're looking for 40 new sponsors for 40 children. And if that's something that is just sparking your curiosity and you're feeling a little tug, we just encourage you to um, check that out for more information and a way that you can really change a child's life and a whole family's life. Um, And there's more information in the weekly email or in the app that you can find out more. Uh, This Wednesday, we are going to have a pizza and game night here at the church. We've done this several times, and it's always... Number one, one night that you don't have to cook. So uh, we were talking about it and I was thinking about the week and thought, man, Wednesday is taken care of. We don't have to cook anything. So come on out. Um, Excuse me. You get some free pizza, but also can just get to know people and play some games and have fun. So if you know that you're planning on attending, we would love it if you would uh, give us a heads up. You can email dan at sunrisemen.org just so we can make sure we have enough pizza. But if plans change and all of a sudden you spontaneously end up able to come, just show up. We will have more than enough food and we'd love to see you there. That's at 6 p.m. this Wednesday. We are getting close to spring Easter is just, what, five weeks away, and so starting next Sunday, we are going to begin collecting Easter eggs and candy for a big Easter egg hunt that will take place after the service on Easter, which is the end of March this month and not into April. So I know the Easter candy has been in stores since, like, after Christmas? I don't know. It came out really early. So grab some candy or some eggs and uh, feel free to bring that to church anytime in the next several weeks to come. Right now, we are about to move into a transition time where, as I said, you can get yourself some coffee, no donuts quite yet. You have to wait a little bit for those. But get a refill on coffee, say hello to some people around you. We also are going to be uh, sending kids back for their Sunrise Kids time, um, where they're gonna be learning and growing in their own way. And I'll just give one more um, reminder. One of the other ways that we worship here at Sunrise is through giving. And so as you pass through, if you head out to the lobby, we have a box there where you can place um, any of your offerings. You can also give online and uh, drop a check in however you would like. But that's one of the ways that we worship together as well. So take a moment, say hello, get some coffee, and we'll see you back here soon.
3: good morning. My name is Brittany. For those of you who don't know me, I am a friend of Pastor Dennis. He um, hired me at Bella Vista Church where you stole him from us. Just kidding. Um, And so that's my connection to your church. Dennis uh, hired me there while I was still finishing my master's at the seminary while I was getting my MDiv, and since then I've also completed a certification in spiritual direction. I am currently employed primarily asking God why I'm in the job I'm in, um, and I'm not currently at Bella Vista Church because my work there was complete. Um, But that's a little bit about me. Uh, Another fun fact that I don't know people find out about me eventually is that in the gap years between when I finished high school and when I went to college my family and I owned a coffee shop in Indiana so we went through the rigorous and difficult and painful process of taste testing all of the chocolate sauces for the best mocha and all of the coffee syrups for the best hazelnut latte and all of the smoothies to make Warsaw's best fruit smoothies let me tell you and um, brought in a staff and trained a staff and I, as a not old enough human being, wrote an employee manual and we did the whole like soft launch and big grand opening and it was quite a season and a lot of fun. Um, So that's a little bit about me. This morning we're jumping in Good thing that thing locks closed. I'm going to knock it over. We're jumping into a sermon. Um, Dennis called me and said, do you want to preach on Sabbath as formation? And I said, those are two of my favorite words. Yes, please. And so that's where we're going this morning. I know you've been in a series on Sabbath. For those of you, though, who have been on vacation for a few weeks or this is your first time, what is Sabbath and what is formation? Sabbath is... Typically understood as like a 24-hour break where we step away from work, we rest, we worship, it's grounded in trust, it's grounded in hope, it's grounded in faith. I like to think of Sabbath as a day where I avoid the shoulds. So I avoid the chores, I avoid the, the work, my laptop stays closed... And then what is formation? Formation I like to think about as the ways we're being formed to orient towards God in the world. The ways that my heart is being formed such that when I get squished in moments of, a, of difficulty or chaos or fear, what flows out of me in those moments? How am I being formed? But before we jump into the text this morning, I want to turn our hearts towards the one who has drawn us together. So we're going to pray. God, I thank you for this group of people who are pursuing you together. I thank you for the ways that they love their community and that they love the broader world around them. God, I thank you that we live in a country and at a time where we do not need to worry about holding this gathering in secret. God, don't let us take that for granted. Would you bless our brothers and sisters around the world who are pursuing you at great cost? This morning, would you open our ears and our hearts to hear the invitations you have for us? God, would you open my heart to hear from you before I speak? Would you bless the preparation I've done? And would you give me courage to set aside my process and my desired words for yours? People of Sunrise, would you pray that over me? And so, God, we wait for you to show up and we tune our hearts to hear what you would have us to hear. Amen. So we're back in Leviticus 25, I think you've been here before, and this morning our text is Leviticus 25, 5 through 7, but I want to read the first seven verses, not just the three, so we're doing that. These are the words of the Lord in Leviticus chapter 25. The Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, speak to the Israelites and tell them, when you enter the, enter the land I am giving you, the land will observe a Sabbath to the Lord. You may sow your field for six years, and you may prune your vineyard and gather its produce for six years, but there will be a Sabbath of complete rest for the land in the seventh year, a Sabbath to the Lord. You are not to sow your field or prune your vineyards. You are not to reap what grows by itself from your crop or harvest the grapes of your untended vines. It is to be a year of complete rest for the land." Whatever the land produces during the sabbath year can be food for you, for yourselves and your male and female slave and your hired worker or the alien who resides with you, all of its growth may serve as food for your livestock and the wild animals in your land. These are the words of the Lord. So, this text, first of all, it was bugging me, so In case you had your really close listening ears on and got as confused as I did, what do you mean you can't harvest the fields but you can eat of the land? Because that bothered me. Uh, So according to the commentaries I had to seek out at Baker Bookhouse because I do not own any commentaries on Leviticus, the difference is you may not go through and systematically harvest and put into barns, but you may walk and take what you need for the day. It's kind of like manna. You may not go out and gather all that you need for all of the next week, but you may go out and take what you need for today. So in case you're getting hung up on that like I was, that's what the difference is in the text. But where is this instruction in the story of how God has worked in the world? Where do we find this portion of the text? So in Genesis chapter 12, God called a man called, named Abraham and said, I'm going to make you into a nation and I will bless you and you will be a blessing and you will have descendants more numerous than you can count. And then Abraham bore Isaac and Isaac bore Jacob and Jacob bore Joseph and Joseph is the guy whose brother sold him into slavery and shipped him off to Egypt. He was put in jail, but he rose in honor and in power, and then he interpreted a dream and said there will be seven years of plenty followed by seven years of of famine, and so then Pharaoh put him over that project, and he stored up food, and then his brothers and dad ended up coming, or his brothers ended up coming to buy food, and there was like a whole thing between Joseph and his brothers, and eventually... Jacob and the brothers all moved to where Joseph was in Egypt so that they would have food in the seven years of famine. And that was Abraham's whole descendants, moved to Egypt. Then in that place, they became not just a family, but a nation. But then time passed and rulers changed and somebody eventually said, hey, who are these guys just living here prospering off of us? They're going to serve us now. And so the people of Israel became slaves in Egypt. Then eventually God raised up Moses and Aaron and through Moses, God freed the people out of Egypt and they head out through the Red Sea and towards Sinai. And they get to Sinai and they're given the Ten Commandments and God says, these are the instructions for what it means to be my people. And there's a covenant ceremony where the people in God say, this is is the kind of God I am and these are the kind of people you are and this is how we move forward. And then the people build a golden calf because Moses is talking to God and they're like, well, we need a God. And so they build one and there's a whole kerfuffle that if you've been in church long, you've heard this story. And then... Moses and God keep talking and then the tabernacle is built according to God's plans and the priesthood is established and God gives Moses more instructions and the employee handbook for what it means to be the people of Israel has been written and they're heading out from Mount Sinai soon and they're heading to the promised land and God says this is our soft launch of the people of Israel and this is what it's going to look like by the time you get there start practicing the ways That you will be my people. Start practicing the ways that you engage with each other. Start practicing the ways that you engage with me. And this is what it will be to be my people. The beginning of the formation of a people. That's where we find this text. So this text is situated where God is saying, I want you to start practicing these things to become a certain kind of people. It's almost like at Mount Sinai, God is saying, I know you. I know what will happen in your heart, so we're going to build practices. I wonder if this is part of what was happening with the whole manna thing when God said, I know you. I know that your hearts will be to gather up as much as you can because you're going to fear that I won't provide, but don't do it. It'll get gross. And how many times do you think somebody gathered up more than what they were supposed to do for the day and it was really nasty the next day? I would bet about five times, right? And so about the time you get in the habit of don't take too much, then God's like, hey, today take twice as much. Because there won't be any tomorrow. I actually started thinking about this this week. I wonder how many people were super hungry that first Sabbath day when they had not gathered twice as much the day before because five times they had and it was gross and moldy and maggoty. And God's like, hey, I'm the God even of the mold and the maggots. Trust me. Sabbath, where we set aside, where we don't do the typical things that we engage in to provide for ourselves, is scary. Will there be enough? Will God catch me? And God's saying, trust me. Trust the kind of God I am. Start building the kind of muscles that will give you the strength to do the things that orient you towards me. And when you get to the land, you'll be farmers and you'll be dependent on the rain and the sun, but you're still going to have a Sabbath once a week. Trust me. If the rain comes all day Friday, you still don't go work the the field on Saturday. Trust me. There will be enough time. There will be enough food. There will be enough help. Trust me. And I know you're worried about feeding your family if you take a whole year off, but trust me. Trust me. Right, So in this passage, God's saying you're going to take a whole year, not just the one day out of every seven, but you're also going to take one year out of every seven. And the next passage, by the way, goes on to say you're also going to take another year out of all the seven years. So on the seventh seven year, there's a whole other thing that goes on of rest and Sabbath to the Lord. As we're thinking about spiritual formation and Sabbath. I wonder what it would do to a nation when once every seven years the people who are the landowners and who have the slaves and the servants are in the same fields as their servants and slaves gathering just enough. And when every seven years all of the things are reset to say this person that worked for me last year, now we're next to each other in the field gathering just enough grapes for today. How will that change our primary orientation towards each other? Towards plenty or towards lack? How would that change what we think about gathering up enough and storing it away and depending more on our bank accounts than on God to provide for us? How will it change our orientation towards climbing the ladders of enough even at the expense of somebody else if once every seven years we're all on a level playing field? And the guy that I hired last year now is telling me where the better apple harvest is. So Dennis asked a spiritual director to talk about Sabbath and formation. So you're gonna hear a lot more this morning from spiritual director Brittany than preacher Brittany. Sorry, not sorry, he also, I I quote him word for word, said, do what you want. So here we are. It's gonna be a different kind of a morning. But as I was thinking about what it would have looked like for Israel And if we imagine, they leave Sinai, they've been given their employee handbook, they've started their soft launch of practicing what it will be to be this nation, and they head towards the land. If they had never never disobeyed God and had moved right into the land, and now we've been here for 27 years, and you have a 9 or 10-year-old kid, and you're heading into another Sabbath year, I've met 9- and 10-year-old kids. They're going to understand that our food and our family, family's livelihood comes from farming. So this is the first time that they're heading into a year of saying, we're not, we're not working next year. What does that mean for us? Can you imagine how it would form a kid's soul and a community's soul when mom and dad and grandpa and uncle and neighbor can all say, hey, we've been here before. We've done this time and time again, and God has provided. Can you imagine how a whole group of people start to engage this season of fear differently? Is it still scary? Absolutely. Or even if it's the first of these seven years after they did meander in the desert for 40 years, and I actually don't know if they ever did a Sabbath year, But we're imagining now that they've meandered in the desert for 40 years and they've been in the land for six and they're heading in to the first Sabbath year where they're not allowed to plant and to harvest. They're not allowed to work the fields. And they're sitting around the campfire and they're talking about how scary this idea is. And probably somebody's very sweet aunt says, well, I mean... God provided manna for 40 years, so if worst comes to worst, God can always provide manna again. And somebody's heart is formed to say, God has always provided, God can provide again. At the same time, somebody's, I don't know, invited neighbor, the grouchy old man who stares out his front window and yells at kids on the lawn, is saying, yeah, but I don't want to eat manna again formation is as much about the how we approach and the postures we practice as it is about the actual things that we do postures that we practice form us sabbath as we practices practice it forms us so i'm not here today expecting that in 2024 in america that any of us are expecting to take one year off of our jobs every seven years. I don't think that's an option a lot of us have, although sometimes I actually wonder if more of us have that option than we think we do. But really, we're not, that's not what we're expecting, but our, what are we expecting? So this morning, I want to just invite us to think about a string of questions about what would it look like if we practiced one day off Every seven days, how will that form us to be a different kind of people? What kinds of things are, is it likely to stir up in our souls? I have practiced um, Sabbath in various forms for about a dozen years. Um, and in seminary, one of the things that came up every week, I took Saturdays off. And at the beginning, it was great. And then about three months in, I didn't do my homework the way I was supposed to on Friday. And I remember having a conversation with God saying, Hey, God, I think you've asked this time from me, but if I give you Saturday, even though I didn't do my part on Friday, will you catch me? Will you be God if I didn't do my part? Will you provide? And God did. But then a couple weeks later, I was back in the same place. And I say, hey, God, I messed up again. Will you still be God? And God caught me again. And then pretty soon, it was every week. And then I'm like, hey, God, will you catch me a sixth week in a row? And then pretty soon, it was, hey, God, I've been messing up every week for a year. Will you still catch me? And then it was, hey, God, I didn't do my part, but you've caught me every week for two, for two years. I think you might catch me again. And then it was, God, at what point are you going to get tired of catching me? And what God worked in my heart through that season was that I cannot outtake God's generosity. Sabbath was forming in me an orientation towards God that said, even when I don't do my part, God's generosity is not built on my work ethic. God's generosity is not built on my production. God's generosity is not built On what I do in my week and I cannot outtake this kind of generosity in that same season though my roommate was learning something different in Sabbath and so where I needed to learn that no matter what I did or didn't do during the week Sabbath happens on Saturday my roommate was learning something different and her Sabbath did move and at the time to be honest I thought that she just didn't trust God enough and it was me being very judgy God was doing something different in her through a practice of rest. That's what God did in me, but I have a series of questions. And these questions are not like math homework that I expect you to answer and turn back in. These questions are more like tour guides. As we head into thought experiments about what might God be inviting us to practice, what might God be looking to form in our hearts, these questions are just invitations to have a conversation with God, to to listen to the spirit who is active in our hearts, to say where might you be drawing me? So for the rest of our morning, it's gonna be more contemplative than informative. Most of us are not formed through information, but through practice, through posture. So if you were to think about what would it look like to take one day off a week? One day where you leave work, you close your laptop, and you just leave it. Where you close your homework books and you just leave them. What would that look like? I wonder if what turns up in some of us is well, who will provide for me if I don't? I wonder if what turns up in some of us is if I stop, will there be enough? I wonder if what turns up in some of us is if I'm not always available will they find somebody to replace me? I wonder if what turns up in some of us is I haven't done enough to earn rest. For those of us who are unable to take a break to in to step into God's invitation to rest. I wonder if we think that we're only valuable if we're producing. For those of us who are unable to accept God's invitation to rest, I wonder if we need to be seen as indispensable. And if I need to be seen as indispensable, is it because I need to feel important? And that's the only way I know how. Is it because I need to feel like somehow I'm saving this situation and I actually want to feel like a savior? If I can't accept God's invitation to rest, do I think that God needs help running my life? That God can't handle it without my help for 24 hours? Is it because I could get another job and get better, like I could, I could pick up a second job and be financially more stable? Is that why I can't? So Sabbath, part of the discussion about Sabbath that churches in America in 2024 have is, is it required? No, it's not. It is a gift that God offers us. The concept of rest and stepping into rest is something God invites us into because of what it forms in our hearts. However, we also can't have this conversation without recognizing something here. I'm speaking as one who is financially stable. I'm speaking as one who has an able body. I'm speaking as one who has privilege in society because of the color of my skin. I'm speaking as one who does not have to fear what will happen if I say yes to this invitation because even if everything goes to haywire, I have a social safety net and I recognize my privilege in this conversation. I am not a primary caregiver for anybody. I do not have littles depending on me. I do not have aging parents depending on me. I do not have a neighbor who has no one else to take care of them depending on me. I have privilege to say I can turn off my phone for 24 hours. And I know my privilege in, that, in this conversation. If I don't pick up a second job, I'm not worried about where the grocery money will come from or the rent money. I have freedom in how I choose to use my time I'm neither incarcerated nor enslaved the other thing about Sabbath is that it necessarily draws our attention to the injustices in the world around us it forces us to open our eyes to say I need rest because I need to learn that my value is not dependent on what I'm producing and then it makes me say oh shoot I have to learn that the people around me are not valuable based on what they're producing. I have to learn to see myself differently and now I have to engage differently with the person who is disabled or whose body is a different shape and cannot access the primary means of provision that our society knows. And I have to begin to see that if my value is not dependent on what I do, neither is yours. Sabbath necessarily means that if I am learning to rest, maybe when I go to dinner on my days off, I am really generous with my tip because that person might be working this job to put groceries on the table and they deserve to have access to a job where they can take time off too. Sabbath does not stop with me. Do you see it in this passage in Leviticus? There will be a Sabbath. And you can take from the land, and so can your family, and so can your slave, and so can your hired worker, and so can your livestock, and so can the wild animals. God's invitation to rest doesn't end with me. It trickles out through God's people to the whole world. God's invitation to rest matters because of what it forms in me and how it changes my orientation towards the people around me. It opens my eyes to say, what about the person whose skin keeps them from having the same access I do? What about the person whose body does not allow them to access jobs in the same way I do? What about the person who's raising four kids under the age of four and never gets a break, and maybe I should take my Sabbath? to say, I'll watch your kids, I'll go home exhausted at the end of the day, you need a break. I'll be honest, I'm not good at this one. It sounds exhausting. (laughs) Sabbath draws us out of ourselves. Some of us can't take a day off of work because actually, literally lives depend on us answering our phones. So my question for you is, if that's you, what practice can you engage to teach your soul that the people around you have a savior named Jesus? It's not you. If your job is literally saving lives, how are you teaching your soul that you are not their savior, even though your work matters? If you actually can't take a rest because of economic reasons or because of caregiving reasons, what are you doing to teach your soul about rest and about God's invitations in rest. Here's the other thing, as much as I acknowledge my privilege in this conversation, so I can't answer for people who do not have the access that I do to take a day off of work. And the other thing that I want to say is, one, that's not okay. It is not okay that in our society there are people who could never work a day again and they'll be fine. And there are people who can't take an extra six hours off and be fine. That's not okay. And two, I need your, your input in this conversation. We need your input in this conversation, not because it's your job to educate, but because I know that what I think is true of God has to be true for all people or it's not true. And so I'm missing part of the conversation when I don't know what this means for people who have a different experience than me. And two, three, my prayer is that if you actually cannot take a Sabbath, that God will show up to be your rest in ways that I cannot imagine. That is my prayer over you. As we think about Sabbath as a thing that forms us, N. T. Wright said that the primary thing that people are made to do is reflect God's love to the world and reflect the world's worship and prayer back to God. Sabbath is about invitations to rest, to hope, to worship, to love those around us. Sometimes the work of Sabbath is to lament that the world is not how it's supposed to be. Sometimes the work of Sabbath is to fight for someone else to have the access I have but the work that is always true of Sabbath is to remind my heart that God is a God of provision. God is the God who is the Savior and I'm not. God is a God who continues to give when I don't deserve it. God is a God who raised Jesus from the dead even though that looked impossible and who chose to save me and love me even though I had no reason to earn it. We recount who God is and what God has done when we practice rest. We show what kind of God we serve. A God who provides manna. A God who is a God even of the mold and the maggots. A God who carried me through seminary. A God who has provided for me. And a God who is inviting you to know him differently. As I pray for us and we move into song... The thing about postures that we practice is it's not just 24 hours off of work. We practice postures through the words we use, and it's why we choose songs like this, I believe, that declare what's true about this God, because the times that we practice it are other ways that we're practicing postures that change our hearts. I know that it doesn't seem like a clear connection between Sabbath and this song, but what's the same is practicing the kinds of things that will squish out of me when the pressure comes. It changes me. So I'm going to pray. The worship team will come. And I pray that as we go into this week, God, that you will carry these questions into our hearts, that we will live them, That God, as your spirit is stirring in people, that we will notice what makes us afraid. We will notice what makes us hopeful. We will notice the difference between shame and condemnation and conviction. Father, shame is not of you. The thing that makes us hide our face and hide in a hole is not of you. The thing that makes us cover our face and say, God, I was wrong and I'm moving towards you, that might be from you. Open our eyes to see the difference. Father, those of us who need to go home and sit with, how am I using my time? Would you give us the space to do that? God, those of us who need to go back and listen to other sermons from this series to say what does it mean that Sabbath is rest or Sabbath is worship or Sabbath is hope, give us a space this week that we think to do that. Father, ways we need our community to come around us cause us to be the community that does that for each other that says you are worthy of rest because you exist as an image bearer of God and I will step in to cover that gap so you can have that rest make us the kind of people who've practiced postures that say you are worthy because you're made in God's image and I am not your savior but I'm here as your friend
0: Let's go ahead and stand together.
3: today as you go may your soul find rest from its churning and in the stillness may you notice God's face turned towards you may you go from this place with questions asking to be lived rather than answered may you find sunshine and laughter may you find yourself completely unneeded this week and may that moment draw your horse heart towards your belovedness and not towards despair. May God's love for you shine like a glitter trail left for you to follow through your week. If you cannot take a day off, may you find an hour where you sit, not wasting time, but being filled by the God who loves you. May you find unexpected chocolate, boundless hope, persistent joy, fresh bread, and a sense of being kept by an always loving and generous God. Go in peace.